Poshmart. Poshmark. You don't know Poshmark? I know Poshmark. Poshmark, for some reason, it thinks of me as a woman, and I can't change it <coughs> to being a man. Like, every, I, when I made the account, I said man, but it, it only shows me advertisements for women's clothing and women's purses. Well, that's because 98% of their business is women. That's what I'm saying. But they won't change it. <laughs> but anyways. Did you say you were a girl at it? No, I never said that. <laughs> Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Hip and Humble Podcast. I'm Aram. And I'm Mom. And we want to welcome you to our show. We talk welcome. about We talk about all things antique and collectibles. Before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors, Hip and Humble Antiques, LLC. we got three locations, two in Virginia, one in Oklahoma City, or just outside of Oklahoma City in Bethany. The two in Virginia are at Boswell's Corner Antiques in Stafford. The second is at Oldies But Goodies Antiques in downtown Fredericksburg. And the third, like I said before, is in Bethany at Rink Gallery. And of course, for those of you that are not all about the driving, we have a store on Etsy. When you have time, please go and check us out. If we don't have anything that tickles your fancy at the moment, I promise we will soon. New stuff all the time. All the time. In fact, we just put out, uh, I think, five or six new porcelain uh, figurines out today. Yeah, they were really pretty neat. Those were fun to fun to find, and then I research all of them, and it was pretty cool. They're definitely really cool pieces. Yep. Some yeah. of them are Japan, which... Uh, I believe is 1921 to 1941. Yeah. Uh, before World War II. What's interesting is they're so intricate too. It's it's so yeah. it's it's really cool. I mean, of course, this is that's after the Industrial Revolution, so they did have machines, but the machines back then were not nearly as precise. But still, a lot of them are still hand painted. Yeah. And that that's you know kind of a nice thing too that you really you know don't get a whole lot today. Everything is you know commercial. And it's all a machine or whatever. Well, that it is, it. it's plastic too. Well, yeah. Yeah, you don't have a lot of porcelain or glass stuff unless you're paying a lot more. Well, yeah. But you and do people get... people don't like it. At, well, a lot of them don't like it because it breaks. Yeah, yeah. That's why we went from uh, glass milk bottles to plastic. Which sucks because glass milk bottles are amazing. Well, they are. They are. And if you buy real milk, then you still get glass bottles. Yeah, glass milk bottles are fantastic. But... Moving on in this episode, before we get too far into that, in this episode we're going to talk mostly about radios. Actually, uh, we're, we're starting a new, uh, kind of a new thing. We're, we're, we're going to put out a theme and kind of stick to that theme for a couple episodes. So the theme is actually radio. And so this topic is incredibly diverse. And there are a lot of fantastic stories that have to do with radio. So for this topic, we're going to we're going to split it into small, a small, like I said, uh, smaller different segments where we talk about basically different things or different key figures in the radio and communication industry and the effects they had, everything from invention to innovation. Radio was one of the first ways to broadcast communication to the masses. If you think about it nowadays, we have almost infinite ways to communicate and project information to the point where now it's almost too much information to process. It's true. Yeah. Could you imagine reading every page ever created on the internet? Uh, no. I can barely read one page created <laughs> on the internet. It I, just takes so long. Well, uh, I, I agree, I think, for one practical reason, because you're staring at a computer screen, it's a lot different than if you're like reading a page in a book or something like that. Well, my whole thing is, when computers came out, they were supposed to make your life easier, which that seems to be the theme of every product ever made. Yeah, that's kind of what then it was people like, invent for. Holy crap. Oh, look, now with the computer, now this is broken. 
oh, look, we're putting in a new operating system. Now we're doing this. Now we're doing that. Yeah, just a minute. It's only going to take you 45 steps to put something on a calendar. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, hold on just a sec. Oh, wrote it down. Bam, done. <laughs> and yeah. It didn't even no, there's break. definitely there's definitely something that you said for analog. But I will say for communication's sake, radio was amazing. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, before radio, the furthest you could get a message to travel was the furthest you could send a letter, which at that time was around the world. But that was only to one person or maybe Pony a couple. Express. We had Pony Express. Not, not by the time they invented the radio. I'm just saying Pony Express would have been fun. Pony Express would still be fun. It would still be fun, but you'd also uh, – it, 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 if you sent a letter from Virginia to California, it would take three months to get there. Not on Pony Express. On Pony Express, it was three months. You don't know that. I, I absolutely do know that. You don't you, – no, you don't. I really do. We studied that. Well, you don't know. Okay. But anyway. Fast horses. Very fast. You know, it might not be three months. It might have been a month. But still, that's quite a long time. <laughs> that's quite a long time. But I think the point is that communication has come a long, a long, way. long way. Absolutely. And and you could reach so many more people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just reading at this point, like we were talking about the web pages, you couldn't, it wouldn't be possible to read every web page on the internet. In this lifetime, one yeah. it, it, one because it's constantly expanding. People are constantly adding. But I'm saying, even if you stopped all the expansion, you only read read every web page that's ever been created up to this exact point in history. You couldn't do it in a lifetime. No. And uh, I mean, you couldn't even read all of social media in a, in a lifetime if you would, you know stop just today and read everything from today and back. Yeah. So there's three key figures at the beginning of radio that, uh, that, that are really interesting. And the names are really cool. The first one I'm going to mispronounce because it's Italian. It's, uh, Guglielmo. Googly. Guglielmo. Googly Moogly. <laughs> Marconi. I think that's where the, um, one movie, the Googly Googly, the, uh, monsters. Uh huh. That's where the inspiration came from. It very much could be. But uh, his last name is Marconi, and that's why I'll refer to him now from now on. The other uh, the other two that we're going to talk about this uh, today are William Dubier and Reginald Aubrey Fessenden. That is very high class. That is a very high class name, but wasn't a super high class kid. Just saying. Mm. That is a well, uh, that, that yeah, is quite the name. That is quite the name. But Marconi, Marconi is, he's, uh, credited with the invention of the radio in the 1890s. But, like, anyone, or, like, any, any, uh, story that sounds, or starts off with, well, this is the person credited with it, there's a, Generally means the secretary invented it and the guy took the credit. There's a lot, well, there's a lot of, con- he wasn't married at the time. I'm sure it was some girl walking down the street then. That's plausible. That's it's very plausible. plausible. Somebody he met in the local, Market. Barber, barber, barber shop, barber. probably. Well, yeah. I, I mean, we, we learned when I learned whenever we were talking about uh, the hair dryers that that's where the majority of people met. It's true, and that's uh, where the majority of like news was shared and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he all, he developed uh, Marconi's law. Funny enough, 
Marconi. <laughs> Marconi developed Marconi's law. Marconi's law is actually a relation the relation between the length of antennas and the maximum signaling distance of radio transmissions. So he wasn't the guy who invented who figured out that radio waves could be transmitted. He was like a math guy. Yeah, basically. Him and I would not be able to talk. No, 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 no. I don't math. No, there was a, there was another guy named Hertz. Hertz actually discovered that you could you could uh, send radio waves from one point in the air to another, uh, but at the time he didn't think it was a big deal. Uh, for for a lot of the 1800s, uh, there were, there was a it was a pretty common, pretty well known fact that you could send radio or radio waves through the air, but they didn't think that it was going to go anywhere. They didn't think that it was important. That's what a lot of things, you know, yeah. like television, all that. They're like, yeah, this isn't gonna, this won't catch on, right? Oh, okay. Like electricity. Nobody's going to pay that. That's not going to catch on. Yeah. Well, I did hear the other day that apparently uh, Nikolai Tesla and had invented uh, a way to um, – to, and uh, everybody fact-checked me on this because I, this is a conspiracy theory, so don't quote me. But, <laughs> but apparently Nikolai Tesla uh, had invented a way to get – Electricity and basically, it was so easy that he could have done it for free. Basically, uh, he got it from the air or something like that. I don't, I don't know specifically, but but apparently, Tesla got electricity from the air. Yeah. Well, you know, just a little thing. People will sit there, and I've heard people say with the Bible, they're like, "Oh, look, the Bible contradicts itself in the first chapter about you know God created the earth, He created the night and the earth." The heavens and the earth, night and day. Night and day and all this. And they're like, well, wait a minute. He didn't make the sun until whatever. It's like, but there's a whole lot of other things that create light. Electrostatic. Yeah. You know, all of this other stuff. So. Yeah. Well, and I I mean, the thing is, and to me, if you're creating the night and the day and you're designated between the two, that would be when he created the sun. That, That would be in my head. Yeah. But there's a lot of, lot of other things going on. Which I think that probably most of the guys back in that age were very religious people and probably understood that. Yeah, well, that and and, and also also God Himself is light. I mean, they, they, right, they right. you know God is light. Yeah. I so know. he didn't need necessarily need to do that, but he knew he wasn't he wasn't going to dwell in his form in this earth. Right. But my point is, is that there's a lot of different ways to make light. Yes. Just like yes. airwaves. Yes. Well, that and fire. I mean, when it was, uh, you know, developing the earth, I mean, there was, you know, the, it was first, it was all water, and, and then he made lava, which made the lands and everything like that, so. Yeah, but we're talking about communication, but I will say. We are. Fire, smoke signals, is a form of communication. Mm-hmm. And just so you know, folks, smoke signals are still used. The last time that I remember personally of smoke signals sending a communication was the day my brother was born. Hmm. So, 1977, my uncle was in Africa, way out somewhere. I don't even remember where, but he was way out in the tribe. And my brother happened to be born on my uncle's birthday. So, they literally sent smoke signals to the tribe that he was visiting to tell them that my brother had been born on his birthday. Wow. Yep. Yeah, so that that in the story that was that's like a way big precursor to radio. Quite a big well, well, radio radio was, was invented by then, but but, but smoke not, signals were way before that. Yeah, apparently not in this particular 
African tribe. No. Uh, and, and there's probably still, I mean, I don't know, there's definitely still some that don't have radio. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure the majority of them don't. Or I wouldn't say the majority at this point. Oh, well, you don't know. I, mean, I don't, I don't know. So well, no, I'm just saying, I, I would, that would be interesting to find out. How many have how radio. Many do. Yeah. And then, of course, even then you don't know because there's some countries that, oh, look how progressed we are. We've got blah, 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 blah. Well, I, so that's I, only on their I, webpage. I was, t- I was talking to you at the International Pentecostal Holiness Church Conference. I was talking to a gentleman who was, who had gone, who, who was a missionary over to Africa at the time and he said, so a lot of them, their their culture has been so corrupted because it's like uh, they they have the, a lot of these governments have put basically like charging towers all throughout the all throughout the bush, yeah. And because a lot of these tribes have adopted like phones and stuff like that, and it's it's, it's kind of sad because the see the kids out there and they're you know in like their loincloths and so on and so forth. And they're sitting there, you know, quoting rappers because they they have access to the internet, right? And so that's like they, you know, they basically spit on the culture that they have because they see the culture of the U.S. through the internet, and they're like, "Oh, that's what I want." It's like, eh. okay, that's a whole nother long topic. That's a whole nother thing. Sorry, of, back to are we, you know, how much of our culture or how much of us not having a culture by having all of this access to whatever? Yeah. How so, much creativity is lost? That's a good question. I, you know, uh, back uh, on creativity. That's creati- me. That's on, a good on, question. On creativity, though, Marconi was actually a really creative person. He was an Italian inventor. He was also an electrical engineer, but he kind of uh, parlayed that into being an entrepreneur or a businessman. He founded the Wireless Telegraph and Signal Company in the, U- in the United Kingdom in 1897. So he was actually the one who he developed the radio telegraph uh, system. So obviously all of these other guys before knew about radio waves, but he figured, hey, if this exists, I'm sure that I can get a signal from one point to another. And so he thought, all right, well, I'm going to develop something that sends uh, sends telegraphs from one place to the other because at this time they were communicating long distances using telegraphs and really really long cables. Right. So he th- he thought, all right, well if I can do this wirelessly, then we're not gonna we're not gonna have to you know rely on cables because as you or, as you may or may not know at that time they had the, they had cables literally running across the Atlantic to talk you know from the U.S. to to um, to your or to the UK and so on and so forth, and that's what all of the communication between this between the two continents uh, was was had consisted on, besides you know letters and things like that. So uh, and that that cable that was running across the Atlantic was cut uh, multiple times because I mean that's a really long cable and you can't monitor it all the time going across sharks, sharks, whales. I mean, wh- yeah. More, more of the, more pirates. of the bottom, bottom dwelling creatures. Pirates. There were pirates at that time, but they were not necessarily worried about the communication between England. And you don't know. They probably just saw wire out in the ocean and were like, "What the heck is this?" I don't think Slice. So. <laughs> don't think so. It's pretty. But cool. Then Johnny can't talk to Grandma anymore because of pirates. Mm. Just saying, pirates are cool. Pirates are cool, but I don't think they slice the transatlantic and uh, i think we still have line. we still have cables that go across yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so you but know the, the bios the, and i don't know the well i'm i'm not sure i didn't look into that yet maybe we'll, i'll look into that and we'll, t- we'll i'll remind everybody next week well you'll inform everybody next week <laughs> that's Can't what remind I mean. them if they don't know well I'll remind myself to inform them 
Okay, well, you can do that. <laughs> so Marconi actually, in 1909, he shared a Nobel Prize in physics with Carl Ferdinand Braun. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and the what, what like did, I said before... What did Carl get his prize for? It, they shared it. Oh, they shared it. Yeah, they shared it for, for basically for their... For their radio. For their radio, their work in, in transmitting. Because whenever he uh, founded the Wireless Telegraphic Signal Company, he actually... That he did that after he commercialized, he he developed and commercialized the wireless telegraph transmitter, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what he he sold to different people, and and so they were given the Nobel Prize in physics, uh, and and uh, sorry, Braun Braun helped him with that, and they were given it collectively for their um, for their contribution to radio and communication. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically. Uh, he was, uh, about him personally, because he was actually pretty interesting, he was a nerdy kid, uh, born into Italian nobility and on April 25th in 1874. He didn't go to school. He was homeschooled, uh, but not by his parents. He was taught at home by a series of tutors that his parents hired. Um, the first transmitter that he made, it, it looked really weird. It kind of looked like... Um, it, it, it was just like your regular kitchen table, and it had these two poles going alongside of it with another pole and what looks like a tin foil sheet, kind of suspended in midair above these two. Um, yeah. uh, they look like little generators. He's got to have some awesome parents, because let me tell you, homeschooling boys and the crazy stuff that they come up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to have have somebody butcher up your table to make whatever. Well, by the by gotta, this time, by this time, he point. wasn't using their table, but 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 I, I can but guarantee they definitely you, there's some crazy stuff before he got to that experiment. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. But uh, he used a telegraph. He discovered that if he raised his antenna, so the reason that the how he discovered Marconi's law was he discovered that uh, if he raised his antenna, he was able to transmit further di- distances. He eventually got to the point where he was transmitting wirelessly over three kilometers, which was incredible. Okay. Well, which is unheard of. I mean, obviously, this is the first time anyone had transmitted anything wirelessly that far in history. Right. And so he used a telegraph key as a transmitter to send the short and long pulses of Morse code. And the British eventually used his technology for maritime rescue. The most interesting use that, uh, or the most interesting thing that happened with this technology was he, his technology was used on the Titanic. That's how the survivors on the Titanic were rescued. They used his maritime, uh, transmitter to figure out, to send that SOS out right. and get people to come out and rescue them. It's so. too bad he wasn't able to build that ship. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been better if he built it. Well, I don't know. He was an electrical engineer, not a not a nautical engineer. I think I think they could have used him anyway. They probably could. Have. Well, technically they did. They used his technology. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in the shipbuilding aspect. Yeah. The next guy, William Dubier. Ooh. Yeah, he uh he actually lived 109 years. Really? Yeah, he was uh he was he lived a long life. He was born July 25th and He must eight- have been a good kid. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do, uh, what does the Bible say? The key to living a long and happy life is honoring your father and mother. That's right. Yeah. Um, so he, he, he was born in 1888 and he died in 1969. Wow. Yeah. That's, he lived through 
World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, Korea. It's Almost quite, a civil war. Yeah, the Great Depression. Yep. Yeah, quite a life. Quite a life, and you know what? He survived. Yeah, he made it through all that. He did, and good for him. And why don't we let him, you know, be an example? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about him after our break. Okay. All right, guys, we want to go ahead and, and thank our sponsors again, Hip and Humble Antiques, LLC. Uh, so if you guys can, please follow us on Instagram. It's hipn.humble, that's H-I-P-N, period, humble, Instagram. Uh, we post all of our new episodes, and uh, we also want to thank uh, going, go, the Going Solo Network for putting on our show. We want to thank you guys, especially, for listening to us. And uh, if you are just tuning in after this, please go ahead and go back and listen to the first half. Or uh, if you're listening to this in the future, because today is actually the 13th of August, and this will be aired um, quite some time in the future on the Going Solo Network. Uh, but if you're listening to this too on, on a Monday, we will also be airing the first half and second half again on the following Wednesday. So if you don't, if you don't, didn't catch the first half and you want to, please go back and listen to it then. Uh, so anyways, thanks again for listening and back to our show. Uh, and before we get back to Dubier, um, do we, we had a weird find of the week. We did. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell them what it was? Well, it quacks. No, it doesn't. It clucks. <laughs> it clucks, huh? It used to cluck. Okay. I don't know. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <sighs> That's a long conversation. I think it's the marble egg. The marble egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Came across these beautiful marble eggs. So they were made in Pakistan, and all kinds of great colors. Oh yeah, really some great colors in yeah. them. Yeah, they they look fantastic. If you're into uh, stones or like healing stones and stuff like that, they they have a great feel to them. They're marble, so they're not like it's not like the some of these gems or or things you might no, get. But uh-uh. they they do have a really great feel to them. Yeah, they they really do, and they would be absolutely gorgeous in a in a glass bowl, or mm-hmm. you can put them on a little pedestal. Yeah, but they're they're really pretty neat. Yeah, they're neat really, little things. They're, they're, really, really they're nice cool. conversation pieces too. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. No, they're they're really really cool. Yeah, a lot of people will. Uh, well, a lot of people I've always seen usually have them in bowls in different places. Do you know what would be pretty is if you had like a window where you could kind of set them up. Oh so yeah, have the light behind them. So you have the light on that. Oh, that That'd would be, be fantastic. Gorgeous. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Really pretty. I love marble. Really, really. Pretty. I would love to have marble floors. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, especially heated marble floors. They have yeah. those ones with the heat underneath them. Yeah, that's pretty. That stuff's pretty cool. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, that my would mom be- and dad had, um, and my mom and papa, papa, they had uh, trazodine. Trazodine. Yeah, huh? floors. And they finally took them out and stuff, but honestly, there wasn't anything wrong with them. But they were, uh, it was just like one little tiny section there. So, you know, it was time to update and whatnot. But I always thought it was so pretty. Yeah. I always liked it. Well, the marble, marble, nobody likes anything when they change your, you know, 
home and stuff you grew up in. It's like, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, there's a nostalgia of it. And I mean, for, well, for me, it's different because we, I mean, we grew up everywhere. So there's never like a, like a home. I mean, maybe Nana's home. Yeah. I yeah. see my mom's house is probably really, the, I guess, the only one that's always been constant for you guys. Yeah. 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 Nana yeah. and Grandma and Grandpa Rice's. But uh, we're, we're definitely at Nana's more. Yeah. Yeah. So I I will say when they when she changed the the shag the red shag carpet I was uh hey you don't get any better than <laughs> red and pink shag carpet. No, that was uh pretty fantastic. That was that was awesome. That but, stuff uh, will eat Legos. Back to uh back to the tile and stuff. I, I had a quick story before we move <laughs> move on, but the the tile is so it, it's it's so nice especially in the summer too cuz it it stays really cool. And it's funny cuz uh Brady our dog Every time I go out and I'll throw the ball for him, um, nowadays, he, as soon as I run back in, he runs into the bathroom and he'll lay, on, <laughs> he'll lay on the floor so he can get cool because our bathroom is tiled. Yep. That's you know. funny. So before we, uh, had our little break, William Dubier is who we were talking about, uh, a, a centurion. That is a term for a person who lives a hundred years or over. And, uh, he was an American inventor. Uh, not Italian, like our, uh, our previous gentleman, in the field of radio and electronics. Uh, he demonstrated radio communication at Seattle's Alaska Yopupikon, or, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, let me say that, uh, try not to butcher it again, Yopupikon. Yopupikon? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's a place? That's apparently, uh, it's a, well, apparently the place is Seattle's, Seattle's Alaska Yopupikon. Pacific Exposition on June 21st, 1909, 10 years before the first commercial station operated. So that was a big deal, obviously. That was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I think those expos and stuff, you know, well, I think, I know, those were big things. You know, what we kind of dumbed down now to county fairs, mm. which I will say the last time I went to a county fair, I was very, very disappointed because it was mostly like rides and all that kind of stuff. But used to, um, especially the exposés and stuff, that's where your new inventions were debuted. Oh yeah, and that they were huge things. Well, to they go still to. they still have those say, but they're they're a lot more fancified. They're a little more elitist. Well, yeah, but they you know the last one that you know I, you and I went to, it was kind of depressing. You know, I kept looking yeah. around for okay, where's the local stuff? Where's the where are the quilts? Yeah, you know where who canned the best corn this year? Yeah, you know, but there wasn't. It was more just like a well, there was like two cases of kind of hometown stuff, and then that was it. The rest of it was yeah, it was just like funnel cakes and well, the it was like look at me, I'm selling those you know things you stick in the microwave to put on your head or whatever they are. You know, just no, yeah, commercial yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Which, I mean, it's great for entrepreneurs. It's great it for small great. businesses. It is. But it at is. the same time, it is, it is, it does take some, it's a little Compar- sad. Compared to the exposés of years past, like yeah. this one that we're talking about, you know, where they really had some great inventions. Mm-hmm. You well, know, and, I don't I see mean, a lot of that. Uh, I mean, this, this was not only a great invention. I mean, this was a culture changing invention. Sure, sure. Yeah. Which but, I guess, I guess you could argue, I mean, everybody changes the world. You know, every, every, well, every I know, decision. but this but, was, this was a, you know, that was a great place to debut it. Oh, and yeah. And that's where you kind of got people talking about it. Oh, yeah. Of course, we don't, you know, that was a different way of communication there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So that that was uh that was his interesting thing though was was um demonstrating that radio communication but the way he made his money and his his claim to fame really was he graduated from Cooper Union and he was the first to use sheets of naturally occurring mica in the dielectric in the capacitor. So before him the capacitors were huge all radio equipment was huge and it was really hard to regulate the temperature of because you're dealing with electricity and conducting on different surfaces and uh, different materials to try to get waves to shoot out of antennas or you know shoot out and be picked up by other antennas you know so far away and so on so his um the mica that he used in his capacitor um, it's actually still used today in in, in different radio and radios that uh, ever that are in extreme temperatures, like radios in Antarctica or in the desert or things like that, because um, the temp because it has a temperature coefficient of expansion which is really low. Mm-hmm. So after inventing the mica capacitor, DBA started manufacturing the capacitors, and he contributed to World War One. By developing a system to detect submarines. Oh, cool! Yeah, the Dubia company was the earliest commercial manufacturer of, compa- of capacitors, and in 1933, they merged with Cornell Radio. Okay. Yeah, to form the Cor- Cornell Dubia Electronics. Yeah. Is that so, still around? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. What Cor- Cornell Cornell Dubia? Or I'm. I mean, I know Cornell University is around. Yes. Yeah. Well, that that's uh, and I. Believe that's no, no. Sorry, he he went to uh, Cooper Union, not Cornell. But um, he was born. He was born, like I said before, in 1888 in New York. Um, he was educated at Georgia DeWitt Clinton High School, Technology Institute, and then Cooper Institute in New York. And on top of radio and radio equipment, he also invented medical apparatus. Oh, yeah. His company holds over 355 patents, and he personally held 600 patents. Wow. Yeah. He said before he was 109 when he died, and uh, he's he, there's not a lot written there's not a lot of articles on the internet um, written about him, but he does have a, a biography out that was written um, by the Perham Foundation between 1911 and 1919. And it's called William Dubier Biography and Three Pamphlets. Do you have kids? Uh, he'd had, a, he had, a, I want to say he had, it was either one or two kids and a wife. Well, usually the wife helps to have the kids. Generally, yeah. 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 Otherwise we wouldn't have any kids. No, I don't think we would have any. Probably not. Yeah, it was weird. The doctor said I could never have kids. Yeah. No. I, I was there when you were born. <laughs> were you? I saw the equipment. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lots well, but, of pictures too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, if you guys want to, definitely look up that uh, biography. It's it was definitely an interesting guy from what I was able to find out. But like I said, there's not a ton of uh, articles on him, even though he was he was a he was a really interesting fellow. Yeah. Well, sometimes right. the most interesting people aren't always. Very public. Talked about. Yeah. Yeah. That I was. I think I, I told you this before, but. Somebody had asked me a while ago if there was one person in history, if there was, you know, if there's any person in history that you could meet, who would you want to meet? And my answer was, it, you know, I would like to meet the person that had the most effect without their name being put out. Yeah. You know what I mean? The person, the person behind the, person the, behind the, scenes, the scenes, the person that, you know, that shook all the hands and, and did all the work 
to to promulgate all of these guys with the big names and so on and so you know like edison had so many people working under him and with him and gave him lots of ideas and and you know well you know when you talk about people behind the scenes i have to say that i immediately always think of my mom so my mother was a secretary for our bishop for many bishops and worked in the uh, world missions department of our church for years and years and years and years. Oh, yeah. Um, she set up and ran conferences. Um, she's She can do anything. I, I truly believe my mother literally can do anything. Yeah. And she's always been very gracious and very happy to be behind the scenes. But yeah. I've always taken that as an example that, you know what, you can do great things. And you don't have and to be recognized. you don't have to be right up there. And there's a strength with that, too. You know, I, I do, I, I see her as noble, and I see her as, as strong. Nana, I love you, because Nana listens to all these. I and love you. Mommy. And I do, I, I do, I respect and I admire everything that you've done. And not, not just in your work life, but, but for the family as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that just speaks to her strength. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you are talking about people behind the scenes, those they're important people. Absolutely, very and they're important. intelligent. Oh, very smart, and they're very hardworking. And and I would say they were some of the most determined people. And I think that's why those kind of people interest me so much. Gracious too, very yeah. gracious people, because you have to be. Because you know, when you do a lot of work, and I'm not saying that other people don't. I mean, no, you know, no, no. but when you do a lot of work, and you know, a lot of other people take a lot of credit for that work. Mm-hmm. You know, you do have to be pretty gracious to go, you know, that's okay. Oh, absolutely. Speaking of uh, the people that worked under Edison, though, Reginald Aubrey Fessenden. That yeah. is a mouthful. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1866, almost said 66, but that would imply 19. <laughs> uh, 1866, and he died in 1932. He was Canadian-born, uh, He did, a, but he did a, the majority of his work in the United States. And he also claimed U.S. citizenship through his American-born father. So during his life, he received hundreds of patents in various fields, most notably ones related to radio and sonar. Uh, he's best known for his pioneering work developing radio technology, including the foundations of AM radio. Okay. AM is amplitude modulation radio, for those of you that did not know. And uh, that is and one, it's still going on today. Still going on today, and one of the precursors to podcasts. Really? Uh, yeah, AM, AM, so. yeah, AM radio, talk radio, then podcasts. What about ham radio? What about it? Well, doesn't that precursor something? Yeah, yeah. Well, that that would be. I, think I would consider that close to talk radio, like a, it would be in the same uh, era. Of course, you got to have like a certificate. A certificate. Mm-hmm. I don't know that much. To run the ham radios? Yeah, you have to have like a whole certificate and take classes and all that stuff has to be registered. Not really sure why. I guess something, I'm sure they'll come up with something. It must be monitored or something like that. National security or I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But, uh, but Fessenden, he, he, he did, he had the first transmission of speech by radio in 1900. Excuse me. And he also had the first two-way radio telegraphic communication across the Atlantic Ocean, 1906. In 1932, he reported that in late 1906, he had also made the first radio broadcast of entertainment and music. So he was the first one to ever put music on the radio. Yeah. Although a I lack of peppy. yeah. Although he claimed that, but there's a, there's a lack of verifiable details, and that's led to some doubts about the claim. So not everyone necessarily believes him, but but that that was his claim. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
So Probably he, not a lot of people around right now to dispute his claims. This so. is true. This is true. But back in the day, it was a hot topic. I'm sure. He uh, he was born in Quebec. Um, he was the eldest of three children, or sorry, four children. His father was a minister, the Reverend Elijah Joseph Fessenden, and his mother was Clementina Trenholm. Clementina. Yeah. Um, he, his father was a minister for the Church of England in Canada. Okay. Yeah, and they moved to various posts throughout this for his childhood. Because of their moving around, he went to uh, tons of different schools, but he was incredible in school. He, uh, he attended Trinity College School by the age of 15. He spent a year there, um, and he started working with a bank, uh, the Imperial Bank at 16. He did this because he wasn't allowed to enroll in college yet. But even though he had surpassed all of uh, all of the requirements to graduate primary school and get into college, um, but because somebody holding you back, yeah, because of that he he actually taught math to the younger and even some of the older students <laughs> uh, all the way through high school while he was still a teenager. And while he was teaching, uh, um, he started out at Trinity College, but he also but he went to Bishop's College, and that's where he started teaching. At, and he did that at fourteen. Wow. Yeah. I bet he would be like number one in Mensa if that was around then. Yeah, I'm sure you would. So while he was teaching and work, and before he was working at the bank, he was also studying with the university students. So they let him go to lectures and things like that, even though he wasn't technically enrolled in the college. He wasn't officially at college. But anyways, by the time he was 18, he left college without a degree. Though it was noted, uh, uh, I guess the deans had noted that he had done substantially all the work necessary to receive one. Right. But uh, this pre- the the lack of a degree definitely precluded excuse me precluded him from uh, a lot of the job opportunities that he was seeking because obviously, as we know from as we know now in hindsight, he excelled in math and science a little bit. Yeah. He needed this note because the following this, he accepted a position at the Whitney Institute in Bermuda, where he worked for two years as the principal and the only teacher. Really? Yeah. And this was at 18. Yeah, until he was 20. And then wow. in 1886, he went to New York, and he was in search of training in the skills of the electrical field because that was what, his, what he was interested in. His classical, in quotes, in quotation marks, Education had not provided him with any um, electrical training. He wanted to work for Thomas Edison because Edison obviously was a really big deal at the time. Seriously, who would not want to work for Thomas yeah. Edison? I mean, but what was funny, it was at first Edison didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah, his in his first application, Fessenden wrote, do not know anything about electricity but can learn pretty quick. To which Edison <laughs> replied, have enough men now who do not know about electricity. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that? Have, yeah. Have your idol react you back? Yeah. There's a lot. There's enough people in the world that are in your position, man. I don't, I don't need. I don't, I don't need, need you. I don't need you. I need somebody that knows about it. Yeah. However, he persisted. He persevered. He constantly sent applications and letters. And before the end of the year, he was hired for a semi-skilled position as an assistant tester for the Edison Machine Works Company. Good job. Which uh, he was laying the underground electrical mains in New York City. So he's. He's definitely the reason that a lot of the communication uh, lines in New York City are there. He quickly proved his worth and he received tons of promotions with increasing responsibility for the project to the point where he was taking over the project. And, of course, he's still, you know, in his in his early 20s yeah. at this point. 
And the 1890s was when he made his, compu- his contributions to radio. He, proved, he improved the transmission parts developed by Marconi. In 1902, his research that, that uh, he was working on, he got finally got funded, and it was turned into the natural, uh, excuse me, the National Electric Signaling Company. And uh, he started the Transatlantic Project, which was actually the project that tried to send radio waves over the Atlantic Ocean. So he was the first one to send radio waves across the Atlantic, and they set up these uh, antennas. Um, you know, one in the U.S. and one in uh, the U.K., and they were, I think, what was it, 400 feet tall. Wow. Yeah. But the project ended because one of the towers collapsed. Well, that's a downer. Yeah. Yeah, he also developed uh, the the CW transmitter, or the consistent wave transmitter, which which is why we're able now to transmit audio. Yeah, because before it was uh, sporadic and it would only transfer like the little bumps that would uh, that would allow for the uh, telegraph across the wireless um, radio waves. But he uh, he figured out that if you uh, basically sped up the electricity, which is why he invented he also invented the alternator Mm -hmm. uh, that you could transmit um, radio waves consistently. Yeah. So he was the first. Good on him for being persistent. Yeah, yeah. The, his perseverance and that that story is such a testament to uh, the diligence that it takes to really pursue um, to pursue, pursue what you want. Pursue what you what want. Your passion is. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, he sat there and got mired down with all the bureaucrats <laughs> not letting him go to college because of age and whatever, um, but still continued to learn and made sure that he learned not only did he continue to learn he worked for the college he taught for the college yeah. so all the people that, that were basically prohibiting him from getting the education that he so rightfully deserved he worked for them right right but that's a testament to you know being a self-made man you just there's not a lot of self-made people anymore that actually go out and just pursue 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 well there, there are but it's of a different caliber for sure yeah for sure, and uh, I hate to do this, but we're we're out of time. Are we really? Because yeah. we're not even done talking. I know. I know. Well, we we did get through all three of our guys, barely. Just barely. Just under the wire. Well, okay, I guess. Yeah, I know. There's a lot more to be said, you know. There is a lot more to be said, and we will say more next week. Next week. Well, okay. Yeah. Have to figure out what you're bringing me for dinner next week. Yeah, yeah. I'll you know ma- what? That's like the age-old question. What are we having for dinner? Yeah. Well, I could bring dinner next week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you guys so much, and we, we're just so thankful for all of our listeners, for all of you guys uh, listening in. Of course, you know, like we've said a million times before, we have a blast doing this. We do. We you really know? do. It, it's just it's just so much fun. And, and I'm blessed to have a kiddo that, you know, that wants to do it and spend time with his mother. Because yeah. I know some of you are like, oh, my gosh, I don't like my, me and my mom. So I'm very happy that my kids still like me, you know. <laughs> well, what's not what's not to like? Well, I don't know. I'm sure one of you's got a list. <laughs> well, I think uh, my list has, has gotten smaller <laughs> and smaller as I've gotten out of being a teenager. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah, it really does. We become smarter and smarter the older you get. Yeah. Well, smarter or more, maybe just better at noticing things. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I heard life described once as basically a, a spiral staircase that you, you see the same thing over and over again, but you see it from a higher perspective every year. Okay. Yeah. Or uh, a, a, a bit, yeah, a different perspective every year. Because there is nothing new under the sun. No, there's nothing new under the sun. Just stuff we haven't maybe put together yet. Yeah, just stuff we haven't put into words. But again, thank you guys so much for spending thank this you, time. Thank you. Spending this time from us. If you guys want to contribute, please uh, hit up our Patreon page, um, follow our Instagram, and check the link in our bio or on our Facebook pages, Changing Seasons and Hip and Humble on Facebook. Um, we have all our links uh, listed in the bio in the bios of all these pages and accounts. So again, thanks you guys so much. Uh, stay hip and humble. All right, bye. Bye.